you are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Well, you have the privilege of me prattling at you for 20 minutes. I'm going to uh, improvise because I've lost my speech from Kevin Morris, but fortunately... Kevin and I worked together in North Dorset for some considerable time. What I want to talk about is going on from what Catherine's been saying about protection of the built environment, uh, specifically with reference to North Dorset. I was asked two years ago to reevaluate the building at risk register um, and to basically redo it, strip it out and redo it. I found to my horror that inconsistency of recording um, was one element. The priorities of what should go in that register were subject, or very subjective, they were up to the individual. And I found that, bless the lady involved, there were numerous buildings which were overlooked or there was no accurate description. So when you saw Tarrant Gunville as a prime example, which is a Vanberg estate, um, all that's left now is the stable block and a barn. Now I went up there to record the Stanlestone barn. Big deal, so what? What I discovered was that there's an ice house um, in the grounds and it wasn't recorded. So I went to Kevin and I said, you know, look, I've got the photographs. I say, this is a nice house, what should we do? And Kevin said to me, well, let's get it recorded, let's get it listed, because it's a vital bit of Van Bogen, you know, famous 18th century art, um, architect. So we did all that, and to my horror, when we went to English Heritage, they refused to list it, based on the information from a 1970s book of an amateur archaeologist who decided to say it was a beer cellar. Now, the trouble is with that, the beer cellar was 300 yards in the wrong direction. Now, when I said to this lady, I can categorically take you to the beer cellars, they're clearly beer cellars, they look like beer cellars. This is a round ice house, has a tunnel that takes you down to the old lake. Um, It's got 8,000 bricks and a beautiful rose um, cup holder in the middle and so on. Still wouldn't have it. And I have an opinion, and it's only an opinion, that it comes down to money and priority and time. Now, that's just one example. I mean, another village, North Dorset, and we talk about protection and grade one, grade listed, two listed. I would propose that listing is only as good as the protection, the willingness to protect those buildings. And it's certainly the case in North Dorset, which is probably one of the poorest councils in Dorset. Um, they're down to now one conservation officer and the boss and they're subject to approval from everything from the planning department so if the planning department says not happening, you're not doing it we don't have the money, it doesn't happen and this happened with a pub at uh, Kingstag which some of you will know they ripped out all the sash windows and put in PVC windows I reported it being the snotty nose individual I am and um, Kevin said, I'd like to do it. I'll talk to planning. And planning refused to enforce it. Now, how is that going to help us? 
with our heritage, how is that going to bring us forward? Because members of the public, you know, I've heard the comment, what's your problem? It's protected. How do you mean it's protected? It's got a great listing. But again, it comes back to the same, repeating the same point, it's only good as the willingness to enforce it. And I think also, it's a question of whose priorities are we using? Are we using Historic England? Are we using disinterested councillors? Or, and why are we not talking to members of the public in the area? Why are we not involving people who live in that village, that town? I mean, here there's the prison. That's a big, obviously a huge structure, and that's a different thing. But what about, you know, elements of ancient Walway in your local village? You know, somebody inappropriately decides to use cement pointing. They don't know that it's wrong. They don't know that you're going to create more damage than it's worth. So why are we not teaching them? I mean, you, obviously, as you can tell, I'm, creating, I'm raising all sorts of problems with no solutions, but the point that I'm trying to make is that people need to be educated in the ways that they could take the tools and protect their own environment, their own assets. Um, you know, sticking to the built environment, I've seen numerous attempts at saving money with cement pointing. And Catherine obviously knows, and quite a few of you know, you know that's a, that is a disaster waiting to happen. And it comes down to money. It's cheaper. Is it? You know, I'm not so sure it is. I mean, I've come across people, again, it's all personal experiences, I've come across people who have bought a house in good faith, rendered, to discover that they've spent, well, one particular lady, £50,000 because at some point in the past they'd had it cement rendered. That held all the moisture in. Concrete is non, um, you know, it's unforgiving. It's fine as long as it doesn't fail, but as soon as it does, it lets moisture in. So you have damp. So you've got, oh, I've got a bargain cottage. Beautiful. No, you haven't. It's another 50000 quid to sort it out. So I think what I'm trying to say and my daughter's telling me to wind it up. <laughs> um, what I'm trying to say is we need to think, and I can only talk about the built environment, more, and we need to spend more time having conversations with people about what is appropriate, and not to necessarily trust the builder, the so-called specialist, you know, um, and in concisely. I know builders who are very skilled at heritage work, but will not encourage you to do it because they're frightened that you won't want to pay the bill. So they'd rather go for the quick option. So there you go. Any questions? This show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.